0: Well, we come to the close of 2018, and at the ending of every year, uh, I and I imagine lots of you as well as lots of people all over the world throughout the centuries takes time to reflect back over the year. And as I was thinking about preaching today and what topic to deal with, what reality to deal with in the, the lives of people, me and you Failure is what came to mind. You might think, uh oh. Throughout whatever is said in this message today, there's one central thing I want you to remember. You never outgrow your need for the gospel. You never outgrow your need for the gospel. Failure is a reality that every single human being apart from Jesus, has ever dealt with and will deal with. It's a reality that we all face. It's a reality that we all wrestle with. No doubt you, like me, we've had failures in 2018, and we will have failures going into 2019. Failure. Everybody should know what that means. There are personal failures Job failures, school and academic grade failures. You, you won't believe this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I failed a class when I was in college. Do you all know that? You didn't know that. And why? Well, it was because of sin. I just didn't want to write a paper. That was quite childish on my part. Their marriage failures, relationship failures, moral failures failures, ethical failures, failures with our responsibilities and the list, it goes on and on and on. As I read life through the glasses of the Bible, I observe that failure is the result of sin. The root of failure is sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 teaches, all have sinned and fall short. I went back to the Greek this morning just to to make sure, but that word is in the present tense in the English Bible because it's in present tense in the Greek Bible. We fall short of the glory of God. You know that the human story from one vantage point is one of failing to honor God's standard and pattern for life. But God has made sure, hallelujah, God has made sure that failure is not the end of the story. Our passage today is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And it is a passage that I like. I like lots of passages in the Bible, but I like this one too. It's brutally honest. And some of the just the short statements that are made here. Hear now God's word, and I hope you will turn there and stay there as well. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, it's also printed in your bulletin. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. Jesus asked Simon to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come, come over and help them. They came, filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they would brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus as prayer. O great and powerful, light and life-giving Holy Spirit, we ask that you do just that with this, your word. Give light and give life that we might know Jesus more. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. There are just five things I'm going to cover this morning here in this passage of Scripture. And the first thing that I want you to see is just a short bio of the life of Peter. Who was Peter? Well, he was a fisherman, along with his brother Andrew. He was a man chosen by Jesus to be an apostle, a great teacher of the church, a great man in church history and Christian history. He's also a man of great failure. Also a man of great failure. And Peter's failures in particular, they appear glaringly so throughout the New Testament. Peter, a man just like you and me, was a man who wrestled with unbelief, with lying. Did you know that? Told some lies. With hypocrisy. With impulsiveness. Peter was also a man who knew much grace. Church history says that when it came to his hour of death, he was going to be crucified. He said, no, no, don't crucify me like my Lord was. Turn me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified like the Lord was. Peter was a man who knew much grace. The second thing I want you to see here, the first was just who is Peter. The second is this. This is going to sound abrupt, but I say it anyway. Jesus knows you are a failure. He knows that I am a failure. He said, no, Terrence, you going to beat us up today? Well, sometime we got to be beat up so that we see the gospel Clearly. And as we embark into a new year, I want you to see the gospel clearly. Jesus knows you are a failure. In today's text, Luke provides one of the first examples of Peter's failures in his life as he is confronted with Jesus Christ. Peter and the other fishermen have been hard at work. This is how they make a living They've worked all night to get a catch and they haven't caught anything. You know what it's like to work and labor and toil over something and it yield little to nothing? Surely you do. I do. Well, it's the end of their work day, the fishermen. They're doing what their custom was. They're washing out their necks to get ready for the next day. But something different happens on this day. Jesus enters the fisherman's world. He gets into Peter's boat, and he he sits down. He begins teaching the crowd. As he concludes his lesson, he instructs Peter to go out into deeper water and let down his nets. And you see what happens, right? What happened? All the fish jumped into them nets. (laughs) things happened fish jumped in the nets so much so that he had to call out for the other fishermen to come over and help him out and their boats began to sink but i told you that he failed you remember that peter failed something wrong happened well he put down his nets terrence what are you talking about jesus blessed he put fish in the nets what what did he fail at he failed at this he failed to believe He failed to trust Jesus. He failed to place his heart trustingly into the hands of the creator of the world. Look at verse 5. In verse 5 it says, And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. I imagine that Peter expresses deep frustration with Jesus. Why? Well, because of his circumstances. I can imagine him saying this. Jesus, why are you doing this? We've been at this all night long. Who in the world do you think you are? I mean, I'm an experienced fisherman. I've done this since I was a boy. This is our family business. I know how to fish. Are you kidding me? Fish, they're not here today. They're not, they're not biting. They don't have hooks, but they're, they're, they're not around. They don't want us to catch them today. And, and, and I'm pretty positive there's no way for us to get a catch Now. Now, I want you to hear the sarcasm in what he says. But Jesus, master, at your word, I'll let down the nets. I've been, I've been given this fishing job all of my expertise as long as I can remember. If I can't get a good catch, why in the world do you think you can do better than me? Does that make sense? Does that ring a bell in your life? Surely not. Do you ever find yourself talking to God like this? Let me ask the questions a different way. Lord, why should I trust you? My marriage didn't work out. I prayed hard. Lord, No one understands the pressure that I'm under. Why in the world should I keep trusting in what you have to say? No one understands my point of view. Lord, I can't trust you. I've been hurt. I've been hurt too many times. I don't want to feel that again. Lord, my problems are too big even for you. Surely that rings a bell. We learn of Peter's failure by his confession that he gives in verse 8. In verse 8, he says, Luke writes, But when Simon Peter saw it, and he saw what happened at at, at what Jesus told him to do, He he doesn't rejoice, does he? He doesn't jump up and down. All right, we got some fish, y'all. says he falls down at the knees of Jesus, broken, crushed. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I want to remind you of the definition of sin. It is missing the mark of the standard of God's glory. A confrontation occurs in our passage. And this is one of the reasons I love this passage. A major confrontation occurs here. The greatness, the holiness, the the purity, the perfection of Jesus confronts the sinfulness of Peter, Peter's sin is unbelief. The, the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ immediately uncovers Peter's failure, which is his sin. Peter had some other failures. Scripture tells us he cut off the the servant to the high priest's ear when they come to take Jesus for him to be crucified. He lied about knowing Jesus at the time of Jesus' suffering, at a time when Christ needed his sheep, his sheep around him, his disciples. They, they all ran, and Peter said, I don't know him. Peter was also a, a hypocrite with the Gentile Christians, living one way in front of them. But when the Jewish Christians came, he went away from him and started living a different way. And the Apostle Paul confronted him. Well, the confrontation between Jesus and Peter, and you know, it seems like, well, Terrence, it's not a big deal. He just got in the boat, and he blessed him. (laughs) A confrontation occurred. Who, Who Peter thinks he is, thinks he's capable of doing, that which he thinks he's capable of doing, is confronted with the God of the universe who became a man. As God lets you see his holiness, and his power, and his glory. As he lets you see more of him, you also at the same time see more into the depths of your own sin. And this is what is happening with Peter as he is confronted with Jesus. You see the tragedy of your own failure before Almighty God. Imagine Peter crouching down in the boat and keeping his face turned down so that he doesn't look at Jesus you know something simple as when a child is caught doing what they're not to do and you call their names out I was at home over Christmas in North Carolina and my sister's daughter my niece she got caught doing something she hide her little face can you imagine a grown man hiding his face because Jesus is too holy too pure Peter's Life has been exposed and his heart's been exposed and he he says, leave me. Go away. You don't want to be around me. I am a sinful man. Well, that's you. And that's me. Every single day of our lives. But there's good news had all the heaviness. So here's some good news. <laughs> There's good news. Number three, Jesus gives grace. Hallelujah. Jesus gives grace. Jesus came to Peter with a plan for Peter. Did you know that? And you look there in verse three, it says, getting into one of the boats, which was whose? Simon." getting into one of the boats which belonged to Simon. He got into his boat because he had a plan for his life. He entered his world because he wanted to make something of him. He entered his world because he wanted him indeed to be exposed that the sin that's there can be put out before God Almighty so that Peter would learn the grace of God in Christ. He told him to put out a little from the land because he's going to bless him with grace. Jesus demonstrates great love, great patience, and great grace in the life of Peter. And you see that all, out, all throughout the, the New Testament. But here in particular, in Luke verse 5, you see that Jesus gave Peter and the other fishermen what they did not deserve. And he gave it to them in abundance. Grace is being given what you do not deserve, but not just given a little, but so much you will never be able to accommodate it all. I like to think about grace as the goodness of God. Jesus embraces Peter as one of his own disciples. He doesn't dismiss him. Even after he lied and said he didn't know him, when Jesus is raised from the dead, he, in essence, he forgives him and he restores him. You see that in the latter chapters of John's gospel. But you see it here in verses 10 and 11, the grace of God in Christ for Simon Peter. Verses 10 and 11 read, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. That's a good word, y'all. Do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. He had a different plan for this man's life. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed Jesus. The grace of God here is giving peter what he didn't deserve and giving the unbelieving peter his need and that in tremendous abundance the grace of god in christ takes peter and joins him to jesus as it does for you and for me number four i want you to see that the grace of christ transforms your failure The grace of Christ transforms your failure. Atonement, every day you miss the mark of the glory of God. You miss the mark of the standard of God's glory. Atonement, every day you fail at loving God, at honoring God, at treasuring God, at worshiping God, at following Christ, listening to Christ, obeying Christ. And I do too. You fail in, in your relationships with each other. I fail in my relationship with you. We've had many failures over the course of 2018, and for that, we must take time to recognize, to admit, to acknowledge, and indeed to repent. We are failures, you and me. We are. I was, the first church I interned at uh, was in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was, it was a big church, one where people, you know, dress up nice on Sunday, and they come and act like they are Perfect and fine and have no need of anything, let alone the Lord. And the preacher stood up one Sunday. I'll, I'll never forget this. And he said, I am a mess. <laughs> what? I am a mess. And he proceeded to talk about the grace of God for sinners like you and me. I went down after service. I, I went down. I was going to nobody else shook his hand. I was going to go shake his hand. And I said, brother, if you've preached to nobody else, you've preached to me today. The glory of the gospel. We are sinners. So when you hear fail, you think sinner. We're always in the condition of need, of dependence. But Jesus has grace for you. And hallelujah, he's got grace for me. Jesus has a plan for you. If you are a disciple of Jesus, then Jesus has made you his own. You're united to him. Martin Luther made this statement. He said, we are uh, simul justus et peccator. We are at the same time just and sinner. Jesus transforms your failure through grace. Grace. The Bible teaches in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, lest you think the news is just bad all the time. The Bible says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now that was written by a man who was in prison. Chained to someone else for preaching the gospel, no less. And here he's given these words of hope in the midst of Great turmoil in life. God began a good work in you and God's going to bring it to completion. Though there is failure in my life, God is at work in my life. God is at work in your life. And He's making you evermore into the image of His Son, Jesus. One One of my best friends from college... He told me this was one of his life verses, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Y'all, that's a good word to remember on difficult days when it seems like we don't know who we are or we are bogged down with the troubles of life. One of my aunts, my mother's oldest sister, was hospitalized two days ago. Heard from her on Christmas. And so she was hospitalized two days ago. And yesterday I got a text that says she's going to have to start undergoing dialysis. You know, I was praying for her the other day. And when I got that, I thought, Lord, like Peter, why? Why? But God who began a good work, God will bring the work to completion. God cannot deny himself. And lastly, number five, you will never outgrow your need of the gospel. Therefore, look to Jesus. You'll never outgrow your need of the gospel. Therefore, look to Jesus. The failures of life are many. And they will be many. But for those who belong to Christ, God will transform your failures through His great grace. When I was in college, I began to think about God's grace as an ocean. An infinite ocean. Never runs out. Never runs dry. The water of God's grace will never run out for His people. He is so very patient with us, you all. I heard a man say... (laughs) We deserve to be absolutely pulverized because of the sin in our life. But God is patient. God is gracious. When I was in college, I went through a study called Sonship. I was talking about this with the Hanlons last Sunday. And it taught me a, a great treasure. And some of you probably heard of it it gave this diagram of an angle, if you will, an angle, going, a line going up and a line going down. And the top line is the holiness of God. And the bottom line is the sinfulness of man. And the lines, as they go out, they never touch again. But as you're looking up at God's holiness, you, you have to see your own ungodliness. And as high as the other goes, the lower the other goes. And we need help. We need help. In the middle of the angle is a series of crosses. And as the lines get further and further apart, the cross grows. Around that cross, there's a heart demonstrating the grace and the love of God. As God's holiness gets greater in our understanding and our sinfulness We understand it more. We see that we need the cross more and more and more. And may I say to you that the cross of Jesus is the greatest demonstration of grace the world will ever know. When I was a kid, I used to didn't understand that. I hear my dad preaching and preaching about the cross, and he always talked about the cross, and I'm thinking, what in the world are you talking about? The cross is the grace of God demonstrated for sinners like you and me. The grace of God through the cross then becomes more necessary in your life and mine. May I say to you today, through grace, Jesus has taken care of your sin and your failure. He's taken care of it. Matthew's gospel teaches failures and sinners like us where to go. I love it. And it is demonstrated in Jesus' interaction with Peter in in, in Luke 5. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30 says, Come to me, Jesus is talking, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Seth preached about this several Sundays back. And learn from me, says Jesus, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters, we never outgrow our need for the gospel. As you go into 2019, embrace the good news of Jesus. Preach that good news to yourself every single day so easy to get bogged down in this life and our problems and our issues and to think that there's no end to this insight, that that's not true. That's not true. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is working on you if you trust in the Lord Jesus. And the work that God began in you, God will bring that to completion. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we confess to you that there is no hope for us in this world apart from Jesus Christ. Sin will crush and destroy apart from the Lord Jesus. Father, just as Jesus demonstrated great grace to Peter, so You give us grace even this very day. I pray, God, that we would swim in Your ocean of grace and we'd love You and we would trust You and depend on You and hold on to You even, Lord, when it seems darkness is all around our minds. You are the light that shines through the darkness. Oh, God, be our hope and our deliverer this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.